Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Here to discuss the very, very latest developments in the world of politics and America, Bill Crystal, editor of the Weekly Standard. Bill, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Good to be with you, Michael. So let me ask you the question everyone wants an answer to. What would Bill Crystal do if he won the $700 million Powerball lottery? You know, I think that's probably something I best keep to myself. You know, my <laughs> wife, my wife, my wife, my, my wife might be listening, Michael. <laughs> that's very, very true. Uh, well, uh, the smart thing to do would be to bet it all on Donald Trump for president. Apparently, this has just been an astonishing performance by a guy who it seems to me is reading the American voting public at a purely gut visceral level. He gets where the American people are certainly gets where Republican primary voters are in this recent uh, success he's had. I mean, I'm not for Trump for president, and I think it, in some ways he's a much more of a talented demagogue than a talented leader, at least from what we can tell so far. But I've got to say, calling out Hillary Clinton on her defense of Bill Clinton's behavior towards women and on her and her agents trashing of various women who told the truth about Bill Clinton when Bill Clinton lied, we now know, about Jennifer Flowers in 92 when he was running for president and about Paula Jones under oath and about Monica Lewinsky to the whole American people. I mean, that's an amazing feat that Trump has pulled off, something the Republicans have been sort of wanting to do but too timid to do or incapable of doing for years. And I think it will do real damage. If, if there were a serious Democratic primary challenger to Hillary Clinton, especially a younger woman, if Claire McCaskill or even Elizabeth Warren, who's not that much younger, or Kirsten Gillibrand or someone like that were running for president, I think that person would beat Hillary at this point. Uh, well, I'm so old. I remember when uh, everyone told me that even mentioning Bill Clinton's peccadillos was a guaranteed winner for Hillary. You know, Bill, last week. And it is amazing how right. Donald Trump has proven something that 90% of the uh, inside the Beltway, political class would have said, oh, this is a disaster. He He's completely right. I mean, his contempt for the political class um, has done has served him well because the political class, and I'm part of that too sometimes, has just been wrong about so many things. I mean, I was on CNN yesterday with Donna Brazil. Jake Tapper, first of all, and I, you know, Jake, I like Jake and he's fair, but he wouldn't normally ask about right. this question, question unless uh, um, Trump had raised it and unless Trump were the Republican frontrunner. So Trump's success in, in the polls made it possible for him to raise this in a way that forced the media to cover it. And then we discussed it. And I got to say, I don't think I said anything particularly new or interesting, but just the fact that we were discussing it and poor Donna Brazil was put in the position of saying, well, Hillary didn't really defend Bill Clinton or anyway, she's an advocate for women. I mean, it's not where they want, it's not the discussion they want to be having. And I've got to say, given, and you and I have discussed this so many times, given that Republicans are so bad at putting Democrats on the defensive, uh, that's something that Donald, they could learn from Donald Trump. I, I agree with you. And uh, what makes it more difficult for Democrats is that the average person who's not into politics at all knows that, of course, Hillary Clinton didn't just defend her husband, but she stood by him like Tammy Wynette. She trashed the people who uh, you know, were victims of his sexual amores and, in some cases, assaults. And then there's the guts of the Whitewater, it's not Whitewater, the, uh, the Lewinsky, the whole trial, which was a state employee sitting at her desk at a hotel event invited up to the president's, uh, the governor's hotel room and told to do horrifying things the ultimate example of a guy with power using his power over a woman, and Hillary Clinton is on the wrong side of that. There's no way she can talk or spin or evade her way out of that. And Bill Clinton paid what? Several hundred thousand dollars, $850,000. Right? He lost his law license. I mean, he's, he was guilty. He 
without admitting fault, wrote the check. And and so th they're on defensive because what they are, where they are is indefensible, which just shows you how awful the Republican leadership was, Bill, in 1998 and 1999 that they screwed that up. But there was another moment well, of defense for Democrats yesterday, I thought, and that was the Obama town hall uh, meeting over guns where the president spent most of his time trying to explain, no, 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 I'm really not here to take away your guns. I mean, it was a pretty, he's, a, he's just, in his last year, I think, becoming more self-indulgent. He cries at the White House, and I don't, maybe it was sincere, but really, I mean, about events that happened, very sad events that happened a year ago, two years ago, uh, and then this ridiculous CNN town hall. I'm, I'm waiting for the CNN town hall on Islamic uh, terrorism. Well, don't hold your breath. Yeah, you think? I don't know. I think that could be good. But my, I didn't see, I couldn't, I really can't watch it, him anymore. And I didn't watch it last night, but I, I don't think it did him a lot of good. And fine, if they want to be the party that, that thinks the right response to San Bernardino is is ridiculous gun control proposals that would literally have nothing to do with any of, as I understand it, that would do nothing to curb any of the mass uh, murders recently in America. Isn't that right? I mean, it's right. one thing if you want to sort of say, look, I think guns are a huge problem. And I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be different. He's a lame duck. Why doesn't he say, you know what, the real position here is more like Australia. Let's really curb private ownership of guns, except for very carefully monitored, registered hunting guns, whatever he wants to say. You know, that's a, it's, it's not a position I agree with. It's a position that might run afoul of the Second Amendment, but that could be, I suppose, uh, repealed if there was enough support. Sure. Um, but, you know, that at least is an intellectually coherent position. These symbolic little tweaks to gun laws and then pretending that's going to deal with these events and never mentioning the word Islamic terrorism. I mean, that is where, unfortunately, the Democratic Party, where progressivism is today. And it's particularly disturbing when the president, on the one hand, is accusing you of supporting murder if you support the NRA right. or don't want these changes. Then he has to acknowledge that his changes would make would have no impact on this. And last night after the event, Chris Cox with the NRA was on Fox. And listen to this, Bill, his brief summary of the facts that were left out of the CNN town hall. The San Bernardino murder, murderer had something in common with the Santa Barbara murder and the Tucson murder and the Aurora murder, murder and the Chattanooga, the Charleston, the Southern Virginia. All of them went through President Obama's background check and every one of them passed. According to Barack Obama's Justice Department, 0.7% of criminals obtain their firearms through gun shows. And that's the environment that allows him to call you pro-death and pro-murder if you support the NRA. I mean, contemporary liberalism is about feeling good about yourself <clears throat> by posturing morally and by having contempt for a lot of the American people. And look, it was impressive, Chris Cox. I mean, those are actual facts and statistics, exactly. right? And maybe maybe there are counterfacts and counter statistics, but God knows the president didn't cite any. No, no, he repeatedly said, I'm not here to take your guns, which shows that he knows that the average American doesn't trust him on this issue, and that's a problem. And I think it really is an opportunity in 2016 for Republicans to uh, have the kind of a, 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 two, a 1980 kind of win if we have the right candidate. A lot of people think that the right candidate is Marco Rubio, Bill Crystal, due to his exemplary taste in footwear. And I happen to know that you two have been caught shoe shopping together uh, in, in Northern Virginia. Uh, but uh, he's got a new ad to focus in on the hip happening Marco Rubio. Here's a little bit of it right here. You get that? Super Bowl pick this year. The same one I've made for the last 40 years, the Miami Dolphins. What's your fantasy football team name? This year, I think we're going to call it the Marco Polos. So how about that? Isn't that the voice of the leader of the free world in 2017, Bill Crystal? 
I mean, I know Marco Rubio. He is really a nice guy and a good senator, and I think maybe would be a very good leader. But it seems to me the questions that people would have about him in the Republican primaries right now are, is he tough? Is he strong? Does he really have the metal to deal with the fantastic challenges that, unfortunately, President Obama and Secretary of State Clinton have left us? And I, I'm dubious, just as a matter of political tactics and strategy, that I'd put that spend a lot of money to put that message up on the football games this weekend. It'll, I think everyone likes Marco Rubio. That's not an issue. And so I'm a little surprised they're going down that path. And I, it may end up that this is a year where Ted Cruz, who's a, frankly appears to be at least a sort of less likable, less jovial, less kind of hip guy, mm. uh, maybe the guy, maybe the guy people turn to and say, you know what, but he's tougher. Yeah, and that is interesting. The idea that the Nixonian-flavored Republican may be the flavor of the year as opposed to the Reagan-flavored. Yeah, we've all been so accustomed, and I don't, and I've been there too. You know, we want to be optimistic. Reagan was optimistic. Jack Kemp, who I very much liked and admired, is optimistic. But look, if if the world is grim, and if the country's in bad shape, and we have elites that are really out of touch and really done damage to the country, that's Trump's great insight. And I think if you're a sort of voter who's tempted by Trump but kind of knows better at the end of the day, Trump shouldn't be president probably. Who you, you want someone who will do what Trump says he's going to do, but do it in reality, really have policies that really change things in Washington, that really change our currently failing policies, both at home and abroad. And that, that I don't think they want someone. That, that's where I think the Rubio ad just goes awry. I mean, it, it's not it, it's a it makes him an attractive guy, but that's what people want is the big bold policies. If I were giving advice to the, any of the Republican contenders against Cruz, against Trump, they can't out Trump Trump. They're not right. going to be more, you know more demagogic or more colorful or say more outrageous things. What they can say is, you know what, I agree. We need to really bring big big change to Washington. But here's how I'm going to do it, and it will seem a little wonky maybe and a little like you know boring, but the truth truth is, I think it would actually help a Cruz or a Rubio or a Christie to lay out, okay, I'm going to repeal Obamacare, here's my replacement. I'm going to fundamentally change defense policy, and, and here's, where here's my defense budget, and really sort of convince people that they're serious about bringing big change to Washington. And that's why I think where we are. There was a time a few months ago where I would have said, can you imagine how great it will look on the stage when there's a Marco Rubio or a Scott Walker, a young, dynamic, successful guy up against, you know, the uh, technology-challenged uh, grandmother who defended a you know horrible behavior against women, and now I wonder, Bill, if the is as unlikely as it seems to me at my gut level, maybe Ted Cruz is actually more the guy of the moment, and I find that hard to get my mind around. I went to Oral Roberts University. I grew up in the evangelical South. I know the, the Ted Cruz's of the world. I also know that the people that I've worked with in D.C., Boston, New York, L.A. find Ted Cruz's off-putting, but I don't know if this this might be the year where. Ted Cruz actually is a better fit for the mood than Marco Rubio. Could be, or maybe a combination of the two of them. It is striking, just look, looking at the data, Cruz, who would lose uh, at the beginning of a year ago, right. Hillary Clinton was beating Ted Cruz by, what, a dozen points mm -hmm. in matchups. Now it's almost even. So I think Cruz has hit a chord. But look, he's also got challenges. Rubio does. Christie. Uh, that's why we have primaries. That's why we have campaigns. I think it's really open, and these guys have to make their case in the debates over the next few weeks and then in the you know on the ground with the voters. Well, I think we all know what's going on here. You're going to continue to suck up to uh, Mr. Trump. In fact, I've already heard from reliable sources, Bill, that when you win the Powerball, you've pledged to spend all your winnings gambling at a Trump casino. And I think that's going it's, to do well for you with the uh, Trump regime. It's going to be huge and amazing, Michael. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.